Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Pastor Brett. Hello, and, uh, and welcome. I want to welcome everyone watching online today. Thanks so much for, for stopping in. I just want to be really clear about something this morning. This is Father's Day. Today's the one day. It's about the men. There'll be no talk of feelings and flowers and femininity of any kind this morning. There'll be no predictable hallmark storylines. There'll be no mercy, gentleness, or tenderness. But there will be talk of violence, blood, death. We'll talk of elite soldiers, epic battles, and devastating weaponry. There'll be grunting and chest bumps. All bodily noises are not just allowed today, but encouraged. Yes, testosterone will reign supreme at King's Corner today. Happy Father's Day. Today I want to talk about David's mighty men. Probably one of my favorite stories, favorite topics, favorite thing to read about in the Bible, David's mighty men. We read about them in 1 Chronicles 11, 2 Samuel 23. That's pretty much where we're going to camp out today. If you want to turn there in your Bible, 2 Samuel 23. Even though this message is for all of us, it's for men and women, it's for every person in the body of Christ, I'm going to be addressing it specifically today for the men this morning. Just to give you a little background information here in 2 Samuel, so, so David has been appointed king of Israel, but King Saul is still on the throne, and David is facing war on two different fronts. Uh, the first is King Saul. King Saul's trying to kill David, King Saul and his army. The second front is all the enemies of Israel. David is fighting Israel's army, and he's fighting all of the enemies of Israel, even though King Saul is trying to kill him. So David needs a really high level of protection, and God brought him some help. First Samuel 22, in verse 1 and 2, we read, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers and his father's household heard about it. Uh, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, in debt, or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. And within that 400 men were David's elite warriors. They're called his mighty men. The scripture refers to them as the 30. The 30. Talking about David's mighty men, even though there's actually 37 names listed in the Bible of David's mighty men. In Hebrew, these mighty men, they're described as champions, as even tyrannical warriors. They're described as unstoppable men of might and power. And these men did incredible, amazing, 
exploits empowered by God. These men were real life action heroes, real life action heroes. But David's, King David's mighty men are no different than the men of God today. David's men came to him discontented, distressed, and in debt. In other words, they were broke, busted, and disgusted. And that's exactly how we came to Jesus. We came miserable, we came hopeless, and we had a sin debt that we could not pay. 1 Chronicles 11.10 says that these mighty men were strengthening themselves with King David. They were strengthened with King David in the same way that we're strengthened by our relationship with King Jesus. In Jesus, we're healed and we're saved and we're delivered and we're equipped and we are empowered to win. Is that right? We can be these unstoppable warriors of might and power today. We can be mighty men of incredible exploits through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe God is looking for some mighty men this morning. Joel chapter 3 and verse 9 says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. God wants to wake up the mighty men. I'm looking at some mighty men right now. God's looking for men who regard his righteousness, who hear and obey his voice. Men that are willing to fight for his kingdom. How many of you know that our culture desperately needs some mighty men of God. Men who take responsibility, men who are accountable, dependable, men who follow through, men who act like men. I love that scripture in 1 Corinthians 16 where we're we're called by Paul to act like men. Men who are, are dependable, men who stand up for truth in a world that's trying to silence it. How many of you know that our families desperately need some mighty men? That they're looking for some real life action heroes, men who stay the course no matter what. Men who are faithful and true like Jesus. Men who honor the family. Men who train up children in the way they should go. It's time to wake up the mighty men of God. Are you ready? Amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, for being here. We thank you for all that you've done already in our hearts. God, I just pray that we're going to hear your word today. That we're going to clearly hear the voice of the Lord today. But we're not just going to be hearers of your word. We're going to be doers of your word. We're going to respond to the word of God. God, we ask you to stir us up. We ask you to wake up the mighty men of God this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now within the 30 of King David's mighty men, there were actually three that that were separated, that were above the rest 
in, in their ability, in their power, and in the, the amazing exploits that they performed. They're the best of the best. How many of you saw that movie in the late 80s, The Best of the Best? It's a horrible karate movie. <laughs> their names were Yoshabashabeth, Eleazar, and Shammah. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 8, we read about Yoshab. Yoshabashabeth, the Tachamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Let's try to put that into perspective with some of the action heroes that we know today. How many of you know who John McClain is? John McClain. Bruce Willis. John McClain had 73 confirmed kills in five diehard movies. <laughs> How many are familiar with Brian Mills? Brian Mills. Liam Neeson in the three Taken movies. Also 73 confirmed kills in those movies. How many of you know John Matrix? Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. 87 confirmed kills in that movie. Some of you, maybe a little my age, a little older, might remember James Braddock, Chuck Norris. Three missing in action movies, 146 confirmed kills. I think we're all familiar with James Bond. James Bond in 26 movies, 362 confirmed kills. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> John Wick, kind of popular right now. John Wick, 439 confirmed kills in the four John Wick movies. But the leader of, of action stars of today, John Rambo. 503. 503 confirmed kills in five Rambo movies. But Yoshab had 800 confirmed kills in one battle. I'm not talking about his career totals like these guys. That's going to be in the thousands. This is 800 men in one fight. The only difference is he didn't do it in Hollywood. He is a real-life action hero. And you know what I wonder? Facing 800 men. First of all, what was that 800th guy thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just, just run away. That's, first of all, just come on. <laughs> just a bunch of dead bodies laid out in front of you. I can do it. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were killed. You're dead. It serves you right. But what I wonder, I wonder that what he thought of those odds, 800 to 1. I wonder if he even thought those odds were against him as one of David's mighty men. John 4.4 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8.37 says that you are more than a conqueror. That overwhelming victory is yours in Jesus Christ overwhelming 
victory is yours in Jesus Christ. 2 Kings 6 and 16 says we don't ever have to fear any enemy. We don't ever have to fear any battle because in Jesus Christ, those who are with us are always more than those who are against us. Amen? A mighty man of God recognizes that no matter how bad the odds may seem or the number of enemies stacked against him, the battle is the Lord's. Amen? Turn to someone and say, the battle is the Lord's. Because when you fight with King Jesus and you've got the kingdom of God behind you, you are an unstoppable force. And how many of you know that the gates of hell can't prevail against the men and women of God? Hallelujah. The second of the big three of David's mighty men was Eleazar. We read about him in 2 Samuel 23, verse 9 and 10. It says, next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Aohite, as one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pass Danum for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead after he killed everybody. His entire army ran, but Eleazar stood his ground. See, everyone else ran in fear, but Eleazar stood firm in faith. Everyone else ran to preserve themselves, but Eleazar was willing to fight and die for something greater than himself. Mighty men of God stand their ground. There's a reason we don't have armor on our back in Ephesians chapter 6, because mighty men of God never have to turn and run, but we can stand our ground. They don't run in the same direction as everyone else. They don't follow the crowd and the trends or the agenda of a fallen world. They don't know compromise. They don't become friends with this world, but they're willing to stand their ground and fight against injustice and fight against wickedness. They're willing to stand their ground for truth and righteousness. See, mighty men of God, they don't take the broad road that leads to destruction but they take the narrow road, the more difficult path, the road less traveled that leads to salvation for them and for their families. And so Eleazar fought and fought and fought until his hand literally froze to his sword. It says, the Bible says it clave, his hand clave unto his sword. Eleazar's sword became an extension of his hand. He became one with his sword. They'd have to pry the sword after the battle. They'd have to pry the sword out of his fingers. Mighty men of God clave unto the word of God. They cling to it. They become one with it. The word of God is an extension of their heart. People are going to have to pry the word of God out of a mighty man's hand and out of a mighty man's mouth. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. 
Meditate means to read it, means to speak it. It means to study the word. It means to, to imagine the word, to think about the word. It means to utter and mutter the word of God. But let's be really clear what it says in Joshua 1.8. The reason we meditate on the word of God is so we will obey it. That's the reason we read the word. That's the reason we sing about the word. That's the reason we study the word. So we'll do it. We're not just going to be hearers of God's word, but we're going to do what it says. If my wife Charity asked me to, to take out the garbage in the kitchen, and then a couple days later I come back, she comes back to the kitchen and the garbage is overflowing onto the floor. And she says, hey, what about, what about the garbage? And I say, yes, I memorized what you said. <laughs> and I can even say it back to you in Hebrew and Greek. So, <laughs> what, what do you think? Do you, do you think that response would be all right? No. She's going to say, that's great. Take out the garbage. <laughs> Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Amen? We meditate on the word of God so we'll obey the word, not just so we can impress people with our knowledge and our memory skills, but mighty men of God are doers of God's word. The third of the big three of David's mighty men was Shammah. We read about him in verse 11 and 12 in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 23 says, Next to him was Shammah, a son of Agi, the Herorite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Notice all, every time it says the Lord brought about a great victory. Mighty men of God glorify the Lord in their victories. But two things I like here about Shammah. Number one is he doesn't give the enemy an inch. And, and someone might, might think, well, like, what's the big deal if the Philistines take a lentil field? Is anyone really going to miss a field of lentils? Lentils are my absolute favorite, said no one ever. That's just weird. Why would Shama? I'm, I'm sure they are. Why would Shammah not just give up the field like the rest of the army? We're talking about a field of lentils. We're not talking about a field of bacon. I, I can understand a field of bacon. You're not going to give that up. <laughs> That's right. But the answer is when you give the enemy an inch, he's going to take a mile. Right? If we allow the enemy to take some ground, then where does it stop? If we're, if we're passive on the little things, 
then we're going to start losing the battles on the big things. We can't allow the enemy to take any ground in our marriage, our family, our personal holiness, our personal righteousness. If you choose to entertain a sexually immoral thought even for a minute, that's the same as giving up a lentil field. That's giving the enemy ground and authority and influence in your life. And he's going to continue to take more and more ground. He's going to make it sound and feel and seem like it's not a big deal. It's just a little thing. This isn't going to hurt anybody. And now he's going to be one step closer to fulfilling his plans in your life. Shama wasn't even going to give him a, a pea patch. Mighty Men of God, don't give the enemy an inch, right? Our attitude's got to be, devil, you can't even have one lentil in my lentil field. I don't even like lentils, and you can't have any. <laughs> the second thing I really like about Shama and that I think is very significant is that the Bible says he took his stand in the middle of the field, The Greek word for, for intercession is the word pega. And it literally means to meet in the middle. Most of the time it's referring to meeting in the middle of a battlefield. He was willing to stand in the gap. He's willing to stand in the middle position. Do you know that God's still looking for mighty men of God to stand in that middle position? shouldn't be the women, only the women at prayer meetings. Ezekiel 22 and 30 says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. Mighty men of God stand in the gap how many of you know there's going to be violence and there's going to be war and there's going to be danger in that middle position because the middle position is the key to victory in the battle. It's like Obi-Wan when he had the higher ground. Two of you understood that reference. <laughs> But mighty men of God stand their ground in that middle position. They're, they're men of prayer. And so their, their family and their loved ones are here. And, and the enemy is here, warring, attacking. And the mighty men of God, they take their position right in the middle. And they're willing to go do some spiritual warfare. And they're going to keep fighting and they're not going to quit until God brings a great victory. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. That's the mighty men of God. And the last thing I want us to see about David's mighty men. See, Father's Day, we do a short message. Here's the last thing I want, to see, I want us to, to see about David's mighty men is they love their king. They love their king. You know, there was a moment 
in, in 2 Samuel there where, where David was, was looking out from his cave, I would guess, and he was looking at Bethlehem. He started to have a good memory of when he was young and, and, and the water that he loved so much that was from that specific well right at the gate of Bethlehem. And he, he started looking at that and remembering how, how good that water was. He said, oh, if someone would just get me a drink from that well that I love so much, it's the best water ever. You know, as a kid, my dad used to take, take me to the chip wagon in Prince Albert, and I was just a young guy, and I still can remember those fries. I can still just taste them, see them, and ketchup and the salt. They're so good, and and um, it's like me just remembering that. Oh, I just wish if someone would just get me some of those fries from the chip wagon, it'd be so great. And you just kind of say that, not expecting that someone's going to do it. But when David's big three, when they heard what he said, that he wanted some water from that well, they went to Bethlehem. The Philistines uh, had encamped there. So there's a garrison of Philistines surrounding the city. The big three went and broke through, risked their lives, broke through the garrison, killed some Philistines so they could get some water and bring it back to David. They were not obligated to do this. They were not commanded to do this. But they risked their life because they loved their king. And you know what David did? He didn't even drink the water. But because of their sacrifice, he poured it out as a sacrifice for his king, because he loved his king. Hallelujah. Mighty men of God love Jesus. His wish is our command, amen? amen. Mighty men of God, we're in such close relationship with King Jesus that we can hear his voice and we can know the desires of his heart. Mighty men of God don't just talk a big game and, and pay lip service and, and just on Sunday morning say how much we love God and then through the rest of the week just live however they want. But, but, they, but they are willing to do anything for God because they love their king. And how many of you know that we love our king because he first loved us? Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to do a couple things. Now, um, at Mother's Day, we, we give a gift. We have a Mother's Day breakfast, and we give a gift. We give a flower to the, the, the women as they leave. Uh, so for Father's Day, um, <clears throat> we've got uh, some dad's root beer and some beef jerky. And so for, for Father's Day, we do meat and drink. And so that is for all of, our, all of our men today. We're going to say age 14 and up. Under the age of 14, they're in the children's church. So anyone age 14 and up, you go ahead, grab a, a, a dad's root beer and a beef jerky on your way out. Our ushers are going to be giving that to you. Another thing that we always like to do on Mother's Day and Father's Day is we like to pray. And so we're going to pray for our fathers this morning. And I'd like to invite Brother Bridal to come and pray for all the men.
this morning. Good morning, everyone. Before I pray, I just wanted to make an observation, and I don't know whether you have noticed, but in our congregation, we have a strong representation of men in every service. You say, that may not be important, but I've been in churches where men are scarce as hen's teeth, and what happens then is that the church doesn't grow, doesn't reach the community, it doesn't have the resources, and so I want to congratulate the men that we have as part of King's Corner. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we are so grateful for every father that's not only in this service, but also maybe watching online. We thank you, Father, for men who have set examples for us in demonstrating what it means to be men of God, mighty men, as we've heard this morning. Thank you for their love, their wisdom, their courage, their integrity. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because they have made a difference in each one of our lives. We also want to thank you, Father, for men who have set priorities in their lives that have shown us what it means to put God first their wife and family next, the church, and then their community, who have served in the community in various jobs as a ministry to reach the lost. Thank you. Father, I also want to thank you this morning for mentors that have touched our lives, men who have been faithful in showing us, teaching us, sharing with us their experiences and their examples. Father, thank you for those that have gone before, that have made a difference in each one of our lives. And Father, we also want to thank you this morning because you've been gracious when we've messed up as dads. Maybe there's some here that haven't, but I know one that's standing in front that certainly has. Hmm. And Father, I thank you that you give us second chances. You give us opportunities to let your grace flow through us. And this messed up life or messed up dad doesn't mean it has to remain that way. So thank you for your strength and your help to guide and keep us and help us. And Heavenly Father, we just want to thank each one for representing you. For I made to think this morning how that you chose Joseph to be the father, the dad, the caregiver for your son. And Father, you've put that same responsibility upon each one of us as dads. We have a responsibility to care for our children and our families and our grandkids and great-grandkids. Not just by example, but by sharing your love, by sharing your knowledge that you may have given us that we might see them grow in the fruitful knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, bless each mighty man that's here this morning. Let your power and your grace touch each one in a very special way today. And we'll thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bridal. 
Well, uh, our service is officially dismissed. Our worship team is going to kind of lead us out today. Um, our prayer team, though, is going to be standing by at the front here for anyone who needs prayer. All right. Happy Father's Day, everyone. God bless.